It's Pioneers vs Pretenders. I'm your host, Joe Human. And we have someone very cool in the space today. I, I feel like I always say someone very cool because everyone that gets onto this show is cool. Controversial, but hey. Sibum <laughs> <laughs> Banza. Yeah. The award-winning YouTuber. Did did we not say we're putting our phones on vibrate? I mean, we definitely did, and it's definitely oh. not ah. mine. Yes. Okay, cool. Okay. It's the host. <laughs> it's Fine. The host. Fine. It's all good. It's my show. It's yeah. my show. You know, I can do whatever I want. <laughs> How you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good, man. It's a, it's a good working day. It's a, it's a sunny day. I'm excited for... You don't look excited. There. You look tired. I know. I am very, very tired. Um, I haven't relaxed in a very long time. This is nice, though. This is like I get to just have a conversation. Um, also, just talking about myself is always nice. How, how how often do mm. we get that as creatives or entrepreneurs? Because we are so busy. Yeah. And to just have a moment of calm and like, whoa, stop thinking about work. Stop thinking about all the shit that's happening out there. Just speak. It really, really happens where we actually get a chance to do that. Um, but when we do, just take it in. Yeah. Enjoy it. I, I literally have a, a trip coming up in a couple of weeks because mm-hmm. I was like, from the past two years of me, you know, starting all this work, I actually haven't had time to like breathe properly and just go away and not work. Because last year I was in China for a whole month and I was still working what I was doing there. We and thought, here, we thought you were like living your best People life. People thought I was on a holiday. fun trip. <laughs> I was working. And so this year I was like, okay, you're going to get a trip. It's 10 days in another country. Just go away and like completely switch off. Do you, even... think, do you think that's always the case though? Because... A lot of us, like you'd go on social media, you'd see, okay, cool, we're traveling, we're mm-hmm. here and there. And cool, in between, we'd post like really cool images, but mm-hmm. do you think we're always working? I do. I think we are always <laughs> on. And it's impo- like my girlfriend, it's one of her biggest, like, she always complains about it, rightfully so, mm-hmm. to say you're always working, especially because it's, so, it's social media, it's always there for you to do it. So by the time I wake up, I check Twitter. Before I go to bed, I check Twitter. During the day, I'm on YouTube creating content. Uh, doing interviews, whatever the case may be, and I never ever switch off. The only time I switch off is when I am uh, sleeping. It's and- funny. It's funny that you mentioned like twice that you always check social media. Yeah, and I think that's one aspect of creatives or entrepreneurs that people don't understand because mm. the work that we do is so good. You know that people are constantly looking at what you're doing and yep. engaging, DMing, commenting, and as a person that is in the space you almost always have to keep engaging with those people online and that stuff is tiring like it requires energy and people don't understand that they don't they don't on 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 my youtube channels i think in a week depending on how often i've posted Mm -hmm. i can get upwards of 500 people commenting do you 500 people expecting replies do you comment do you respond i i I don't so so on twitter i'll engage more with people on youtube i don't reply to comments what i do is i do uh, live videos where i do like that's when i'll engage with people so i tell people i'm like listen i'm not going to type replies to 500 people i'd love to but like it's impossible Mm. um so i'm going to do a live video where i'll read your comments or anything you have to say about the last piece of content i made uh, I found that that works better for me, but sitting down and typing replies to everybody, especially when most people have the same comments, but people still want to feel for part of the community. Yes, yes. Just finding an alternative way to engage with people, I think is very, very important. If maybe the 
traditional way doesn't mm. work for you. Yeah. Just backtracking to mm. your YouTube journey, what what pushed you into that space? How did it all start? I I fell into it by mistake. Here, yeah, I remember I was at uh, I was in my second year at varsity. I was bored out of my mind. I was flanking classes, like failing hard. <laughs> I wasn't going to classes, which you know it makes sense. Um, I wasn't going to classes. I was flanking. I was spending a lot of time in the computer lab. Uh, watching YouTube, uh, being on Facebook. And then I remember the one day I was, I was on and I literally started watching and I, and I noticed that there was somebody making a video where they were sitting and talking straight at the camera. And I was like, that's wild. That's weird. What are you doing? Cause yeah. YouTube was a video. And people down, are actually like, into that. Exactly. And, and all I'd seen most of the time was like music videos. Um, I remember there was at that time while I was sitting in the lab, 7-Eleven by Beyonce came out. I was I was on YouTube so much. I was one of the first thousand people to watch that music video. Because I was just like, oh, that's interesting. And I'm like, whoa. And I was spending so much time on YouTube. And then I found these guys sitting and talking to the camera. And I was like, this is so strange. But I enjoyed it. I loved watching um, content creators. And then I saw that there was a whole big community overseas. Not so much here. Mm. Two weeks later, I was like, I'm going to try to do this and just see what happens. Like, I, I borrowed a friend's camera. I started speaking and I was just like, I'll, I'll see where it goes. And for the first two, three years, it was just a fun hobby. And now it's turned into a full-fledged career. Mm. Yeah. You've built over 15,000 subscribers. On one channel. On one channel. Yeah, yeah. What goes into that? What's the process behind it? Because a lot of us are, are, are getting into the space mm. where it's video content. But not all video content is great. Yeah. You know, but what is the process and how do you go about creating content that people find captivating? I think it's it's allowing yourself to make mistakes. That's a big one. Uh, mm. A lot of people come into the space and they want to be perfect, which is impossible. Uh, it's one of the reasons why I keep my older videos on YouTube. I want people to be able to go back and be like, wow, Sibu was terrible at this. Mm. <laughs> um, because that's the whole point. And, and I, I understand a lot of people coming into this game and wanting to have the best production value because there are people who have amazing production value. But that can't always be you, especially in a country like South Africa. We just don't have, we don't, we, we don't all have access to amazing equipment. Um, and I think just allowing yourself to start, that's always my biggest rule is I'm like, if anybody asks me that question, it's always just start like with whatever you have, it will get better. Mm. Uh, you'll figure out ways to just make your content better. So start is a big one. And then once you have started, be consistent. And if the content is bad, be consistent in that bad content. Carry on going. <laughs> Literally... <laughs> The only way you're going to get better is by doing. You'll never realize if you're making a podcast that the sound was actually terrible and I it, it was my yeah, fault. Bro. You won't realize until you actually do it. I've got um, shitty sounding uh, That's podcasts, what I mean. Sometimes you... Right now, I think my podcast game is pretty... That's what I'm proper. talking about. How would you have known that your sound was terrible if you didn't even start? You mm. had to learn that. Even mm. though you learned it the hard way after you finished with the actual podcast. And I've had that so many times where... I watch my videos and I'm just like, oh man, that's silly mistake. Mm. But then I never make that silly mistake again. But I had to have made it to realize that um, I'm never going to make it again. So I think people mustn't be scared of, of making those mistakes. And then also just being consistent. I think that's one of the biggest things. People are fickle, especially where we in the industry that we're in. There's always somebody waiting to, or rather, let me not say waiting like that, but there's always somebody else who can create content. Mm. Um, and if you're not being consistent in order to cultivate your community, ah, people are going to forget you very, very quickly. Mm. Yeah. With the rise of YouTubers 
especially um, in South Africa and in African continent, mm. how does how does one make sure that they differentiate themselves in this space? Because everyone is starting now, mm-hmm. and YouTube or video content is becoming content that is very captivating, mm. and people are finding ways of plugging product placements, yeah. you know, ads, and just being able to shape society through the content that they create through video, you know. But with everyone doing the same thing, how does one make sure that they are unique in the space that they're creating for themselves? So I think there's there's two things that are really important, and hopefully I remember all two. But the, <laughs> the, the first one is work on your craft. Like, talent will only take you so far. Like, work on getting better. If, it's, if, it's, if you're on YouTube and you realize, like, I have so much to say, but I'm just terrible at speaking, like, getting my words across, work on that. Like, actively don't think... Oh, I'm just going to get better over time. Like actively write down, maybe you're not good at this. Maybe you're too much of a um kind of person. Like, and that's okay. You're learning, but actively work on your craft. And then secondly, I'd say, especially for YouTubers is even though everybody's making the same type of content in inverted commas, your personality is what makes people stay. Mm. I can watch 10 different makeup uh, YouTubers doing the exact same thing. Like they're like, okay, I'm only using, uh, essence products for these videos and i watch 10 different ones but they're all different that's my thing mm. is the personality that comes out and i watch them for different reasons um and people always say people will come for your content they'll stay for your personality people mm. will come for the content if you have the title that says that makes me want to watch i'll get on there but am i going to stay for the full 10 minutes five minutes whatever it is so also with your personality give us your personality don't shy away that's why people stay and a lot of people i know start youtube channels and they go I'm so scared I'm going to annoy people. Like people aren't going to like my personality. People are going to like you for your personality. Mm. That's why people are there. You can have, I just started a tech channel and I don't think we're doing anything spectacular right now in terms of the type of content we're doing, but people enjoy our personalities when we're speaking about that content. Mm. Tech is one of those where you will type in a new phone that comes out. There'll be 500 people who've done the exact Exact same same video. But it's just one production value and two personality. I watch my favorite tech YouTubers because of how they presented, not mm. what they present. I could watch anybody speaking about the latest Samsung, Huawei, Apple, but it's how you're presenting it to me. Am I enjoying it? Is it captivating? Um, so yeah, definitely those. Yeah. yeah. Bro, one thing that a lot of us, maybe on social media or mm. just content creators in general, really um, aim to do the end goal is to try and monetize our platforms, you know, and with video content and a platform like YouTube, not the easiest mm-hmm. space, you, you know, I mean, I've been able to monetize my Instagram and my Twitter and just looking at how you guys have been doing it over YouTube. I'm just like, whoa, <laughs> monetizing video content. And also like they, there's like thresholds because YouTube is not a platform that we've built. So yeah. there's certain standards and set of rules where if you reach a certain point, mm. you are then able to get some monetary value out of that. Yeah, yeah. What goes into that? How do you monetize video content? So, so let me tell you my story, right? So there's, there's three ways that I always say. The first way is Google. Google will pay you for the ads they put on your videos. And as you were saying, there are thresholds for that so that Google doesn't just pay out anybody. They don't mm. want to pay out people who are putting... Uh, videos on YouTube, like, and I don't want to say for the fun of it, but just not caring about mm. the content. And then mm. they just get like, they go viral. So videos um, without purpose. Exactly. You can have a 
a million views on your on one video upload and it just goes and it goes viral youtube won't pay you unless you also hit the subscriber threshold which is a thousand subscribers so youtube has started this to make sure that if you're just uploading without thinking mm. um they're not going to pay out they want to pay out to people who will upload content consistently that's also a big thing so you have to have i think it's four hundred thousand minutes that people have watched or two hundred four hundred thousand years um no four thousand hours there we go you have to have okay. four thousand hours and a thousand subscribers in the past 12 months uh. so if you stop after 12 months and you your subscribers don't hit that a thousand you won't get paid after 12 months they'll stop you Interesting. um so there's the google which is the ads that play before on the side of your videos then there's the second way which is how i make most of the money is brand deals so okay um talking about a brand, um, talking about their idea, their product, whatever the case is. And the third one, which... So in that case, mm, does does the brand pay you to speak about them on your video based on your subscribers and your views? So there's, there's a lot that it's based on. Okay. Um, I don't think there's there's one metric that's bigger than the other right now, at least in South Africa. So, so for me, I always find this funny. Like sometimes I tell people my rates and people are like, what? I have like 50,000 more followers than you and I make <laughs> half of what you make. And I'm like, bruh, I, I, and it, it's not that I think I'm more valuable than anybody else. It's just that I think I very early on in the game, somebody told me how much they think I'm worth. And mm. I stuck to that. Mm. Um, I can even say I was working with a bank. It was one of my first brand deals. And they were like, here's 30,000 Rand for um, a day on set and mm. uh, a, like a video and social media post. And I was like, okay, this is where I am and I have 3,000 subscribers. I'm getting this many views and this is mm. how valuable. Mm. And then from there, I just picked it up slowly but surely. But usually I will I will sell it via views and engagement. I know that I have a community that watches and that engages with my content a lot. And I might not get the biggest views out of the biggest YouTubers in South Africa, but I know that my community will talk about said brand that mm. I'm talking about in the video. They will um, make sure that that brand knows that they're engaged. People get excited when I'm making money. Um, when I last year, I, I did the brand deal with Suzuki and people after the brand deal tweeted Suzuki and were like, make Sibu keep the Suzuki. Yeah, Started the hashtag, I remember keep that. The Suzuki. <laughs> and Suzuki came and they were like, okay, here's a car. Like your followers are, whoa, <laughs> they're scary. Here's a car. Um, so I think for me, one of the biggest metrics I use is one views and then engagement. Engagement's a huge one. How do you um, build engagement? Build a community, talk to people. Mm. Uh, I think I, I did that very early on and I think... I was helped by Twitter. Twitter was a big thing for me very early on Twitter. where I dude, <laughs> where I made sure that I was always having conversations with people, always interacting with people. Um, funny enough, I got, when I started getting followers on Twitter, somebody was like, Sibu, you're going to, oh no, when I got verified, because mm. I got verified with a very low number of followers and people were like, um, somebody came to me and said, Sibu, now that you're verified, you can't like reply to everybody because like, <laughs> You're on another level now. And I was like, that is so weird, dude. Right. That is so, so weird. Um, but I think it's just engage with your community. Talk to people who enjoy your work. Um, and I think that's how I've built a community. I was very lucky that when I started being serious about YouTube, there were two competitions I entered. There was the Break the Net competition by Celsi. Mm. And then Samsung was doing a social style competition. Mm. And so I was able, because of those competitions, I was very lucky where people were like, okay, let's get behind this guy. People started learning about who I am, what I'm doing. And so through those two competitions and starting hashtags that were trending, people realized who I was. And the one competition I won, the other came second in. And I think people just really liked having one common goal. And then obviously those competitions had to end. 
and I still kept those people, which was amazing for me. Mm. So I was definitely lucky in that aspect in terms of community. Um, but I think you're one of the biggest things is just talk to people, engage with people on Twitter. And like I said earlier, you can't, you can't engage with everybody. Like you get to a certain point where it's just too many comments and it'll take up too much of your time, but really engaging and creating a community, create that family of people that support you. And I promise you, people love being part of a community. People love that thing of, um, we're a group of YouTubers or a group of people who make podcasts, or we're a group of, uh, people who support Joe like there's mm. there's that thing where people love being part uh, part of groups and I know that myself as a fan of people mm. I like knowing that oh we're both fans of this guy okay cool cool um so definitely create a community even if it's something as corny as giving people a name like just create that community and and also uh make sure that you're always grateful because people at the end of the day especially we're talking about monetizing <laughs> I think people appreciate that thing. I remember the one time I was like, uh, thanks guys. Our groceries for this month was you guys watching that video, which was a sponsored video and we mm. just got paid so I can go buy groceries. And people were like, that's wild. And it's, people don't realize that they're the ones who put food on our table. True. Um, True. And when I said my groceries this month is you guys, you guys help me with this. And people were like, what are you serious? And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's just how it works. So I think um, be grateful uh, make sure people know that they are helping you, but at the same time, also just keep that thing that without you, it wouldn't have worked at yeah. the end of the day. But I think there's a whole thing of gratitude that you mm. also need to um, keep there. So yeah, that monetary value, man, engagement and and views is a big thing. And then um, I was saying the third thing is when brands have you on their social media. Okay. My first campaign was mostly me on that brand's social media, not actually creating any content, which mm. was wild to me. I was like, you want me as a as a personality? I'm not a personality. What do you mean? They're like, no, you're an online figure, so please come and work with our brand. And I was like, okay, sure. Do you think do you think as creators we we sometimes doubt ourselves? Oh, yes. Yes, a hundred percent. I I still have that thing where I'm like, um, what what is it called? It's it's uh, what is that syndrome called now? It's gonna mess with my imposter syndrome. <laughs> okay, there we go. Yeah. Imposter syndrome is a huge thing that I still deal with today. People people love that thing. Like, I mean, right now I'm on a, a podcast that has the word pioneer in it. Like, a lot of people are like, oh, see, one of the pioneers, the godfather of South African YouTube. And I'm like, whoa, whoa. break. Bro, Mm-mm. someone Mm-mm. someone once tweeted that they were grateful to live in the same mm. time as me. I was like, here we go. Whoa, bro. Here we go. I haven't even won like a Nobel Peace Prize or some shit like that. I haven't done you know? much. So yeah, I, I, I think we definitely downplay a lot of the things we do. Um, and I think it's it's a thing of being in the creative space a lot of the time or just being an entrepreneur in any spaces. Some people really, like it's weird because on the one side of the, um, on the one side people really glamorize it and mm. on the other side people are just like, oh, what are you doing is whack. Like yeah. it's so boring. What are you? Um, so I, I still have that thing where I look at my videos and I'm like, hmm. Could I do better? Which is a good thing. But at the end of the day, you don't want to doubt yourself. And I, and I think I have gotten to a much better point. I can tell you now, I only started rewatching my videos after three years. I couldn't go back and watch my videos. I started my channel in 2014. 2017 is the first time I could watch my videos back. I only listen to my podcasts when I edit them. After it, that, there I we don't. Go. Exactly. I it don't. took me three years to be able to go back and watch a video. And I was like, as much as I think my videos were good, this is what, like, it, there's just this thing where, I, like, watching back and I'm like, mm, Sibu, you said that. Like, that was, that was a nice <laughs> was video. Dope. Exactly. <laughs> it took me three years, dude, to get to the point where I was like, 
that's a dope video where I can watch my videos in front of other people or like show people my before. <laughs> I need to be out of the room. <laughs> if you're going to watch one of my videos, I need to be outside, dude. Um, so definitely we do have that issue where we downplay ourselves quite a bit, but I think it's also up to um, our friends in the community to just to help us in that way. I think a lot of people in the community have made me feel better about my work and um, we should definitely just have our backs. Yeah. How do you think... Um... African creatives, content creators are shaping our narrative in our society through video content or at least how would you want them mm. to keep doing it because video content is definitely going to be playing a very important role in the future yeah. of the content that we create, you know. Um, how do you think we're doing that and where would you want to see it in the next coming years? I think it's happening slowly but surely. I think people are seeing a rise in YouTube and as much as it's huge, the number of people who don't actually have access to be able to create content is astounding. Mm. Um, and I think if there's one place I wish it would go, I wish it would go to um, people who are in the lower income areas. Cause I feel like those are very, as much as everyone has an authentic South African story, I feel like those stories aren't being told right now. A lot of us entrepreneurs, a lot of us uh, creative people, we're middle-class people. We grew up in middle-class sure. households. We definitely have stories to tell. No doubt about that. But there are other South African stories that I feel like might touch people even more because because we don't hear those stories. Right now, majority of us YouTubers grew up in a household that like made the same amount of money. Um, and people in lower income households aren't having their stories told. And I feel like that's very, very important. I'm, I'm, lucky is a weird word, but I'm fortunate enough to know both sides of it. Like when my parents moved to, to uh, Cape Town, we lived in a shack, a tiny shack at Kailicha and... I grew up there for a couple of years and then we lived in, in a, in a uh, township slash suburb neighborhood. Mm -hmm. So I, then I got that side of life and I went to a very white dominated school that was very like posh colonial school. So I got that. And then, so, so I have a lot of um, inputs to mm -hmm. have, but I still feel like there are people who grew up longer in that situation who have stories to tell that I could never tell. I can't tell you about being a teenager in that situation, only as a young kid. Mm. Um, so I feel like there are definitely stories to be told. I just wish more people would have access because I think then YouTube would blow up. A lot of people are saying YouTube's going to blow up and I think it will only blow up if we give more people access to it. Um, not just to watch it, but to actually create. If we could create, if as South Africans, we could just create a way for people to make youtube content more often and easier i think it would be absolutely amazing right now we're still playing games right now it's the serials who are rolling when they talk like that those are the only <laughs> people who are, you know we're twangers um on youtube i just need people who are making youtube channels in predominantly is closer people who are speaking in isuzulu like predominantly they they don't play games in any other languages um i need more authentic south african stories right now i think we're definitely getting one-sided. I think it's mm. very one-sided as much as, you know, middle-class people are my people. Mm. I understand Would that. you say it's one-sided and more westernized? 100%. We are still copying the American way, the European way. And I understand if something works, you want to use what works mm. already. That's why I think that the people who are going to change the game are the people who make it South African and unapologetically South African. Mm. I even think, even with my content... I have moments where I'm like, oh, this is a little bit, this is so American. And mm. it's just difficult to get you out of that mindset, especially because when I started YouTube, there were only American YouTubers, only European YouTubers to watch and 
automatically the YouTube I created will be YouTube like theirs. Mm. But mm. now you have a lot of people who are starting YouTube and they're seeing South Africans. And I remember when I went to go visit uh, my grand in the village, people were like, whoa, that's so weird. Like, we're not used to YouTube like that where people are going as Lalini and they're exactly. going to see it. And, mm. and that's the thing. Now that we have and people it's just rough. who are doing... It's exactly. Authentic. It's raw, it's dude. Raw. Exactly. Now that there are people who are creating that type of content, I'm really hoping that people who start the channels in the next two years will come in without that westernized idea of what youtube is supposed to be yeah bro yeah. thank you so much for the chat absolute pleasure awesome having you on here thanks for having me brother. and see you around man definitely cool <laughs>